An article in the BMJ's Rational Testing series discusses the rational diagnosis of immediate food allergy. I'm Mabel Chu, editor of the practice section of the BMJ, and with me on the phone is one of the authors of this article. Dr. Carl Steele is Registrar in Immunology at Royal Victoria Hospital, the Belfast Trust in the UK. Carl, welcome to this BMJ podcast. Thank you very much. Let's start with a case scenario. A 10-month-old girl is brought to the emergency department with urticaria and angioedema, and there's nothing to suggest anaphylaxis. A few minutes before the symptoms appeared, her parents say she'd eaten some scrambled eggs. She's given some oral antihistamines in the emergency department and watched very closely. Her symptoms go away after about half an hour and she's discharged after a few hours. Before discharge, she's advised, or her family's advised, that she most likely has a diagnosis of egg allergy and they recommend that she sees her GP the next day for further investigation or perhaps a referral to a paediatric allergist. Now, they turn up to you the next day uh, as their GP, asking whether or not she does indeed have egg allergy and whether she should have specific tests to confirm this. They also want to know whether an adrenaline pen uh, will be needed for her. Uh, understandably, they're very anxious about this. What would be your next step as a GP? I think the most important um, thing that as a GP I would want to do is to take a, a, as mo a complete a history as possible. Um, in the diagnosis of allergy, it, it's it's a history which is probably the most uh, of paramount importance because it's really your key then to interpretation any diagnostic tests that you may perform. So the, the sort of key questions you would think of would be, was there an actual exposure to a suspected allergen and a 10-month-old being exposed to scrambled egg is certainly a very common occurrence. It's a common allergen and it, if this was the first exposure to scrambled egg, um, then this should be immediately raised suspicions that this could in fact be an egg allergy. Um, trying to relate that then to um, how soon after exposure that symptoms began is an important question. If you had scrambled egg the night before, and urticaria developed the subsequent day, then you could, with good degree of certainty, discount egg as being the putative allergen. Whereas if you'd eaten egg within um, two minutes and symptoms began, then it's very much more likely for IgE-mediated mechanisms of immediate allergy, your symptoms should really have a very close onset to the timing of ingestion, typically within seconds or minutes, but up to even one to two hours could be allowed. Um, then the next key question would really be what were the symptoms and urticaria and angioedema are very classical symptoms of immediate allergy um, they it would be important then to see if there are any more systemic features that could suggest a more um, anaphylactic type reaction um, and those could include maybe uh, airway, breathing, respiratory or circulatory compromise. So those would be the main questions, I think, the, the, the initial questions that the GP would want to ask. So let's say that uh, your history taking has confirmed uh, the clinical suspicion of egg allergy. 
What about the question of testing? When is that needed? If, you, if your history um, is, is certainly suggested, then it's, it's uh, correct then to perform confirmatory testing. Clinically speaking, there are three main available tests to confirm that. Um, there are limitations as to their availability, um, but commonly in general practice, the test that would be most likely to be available would be to take a sample of um, blood and send it for measurement of specific IgE directed towards the allergens that are suspected and really trying to avoid measuring multiple allergens where there isn't any compatible history. And so in the case that we've discussed, um, we would commonly measure specific IG to both egg yolk and to egg white. And you'd expect, therefore, to find that um, a specific IG to these allergens was, in fact, raised. Um, but there are other tests that can be performed, including the skin prick test and ultimately the oral food challenge. Um, the, all of the three tests have their own potential pitfalls, but also benefits. And it's, it's important to have an awareness as into their, both their use, utility uh, and their limitations. Okay, so let's take the specific IgE test uh, uh, and its limitations to start with. What are the problems with that? Well, um, specific IgE to um, a particular allergen can be raised, but yet there may not be any um, clinical reactivity, and, and this is termed um, sensitization. Um, so a patient can be sensitized and the, then miss. Uh, mistakenly diagnosed as having an allergy, whereas it, it, it in fact just simply reflects innocent sensitization. It's not uncommon in atopic conditions like eczema, allergic asthma, or um, allergic rhinitis for there to be a high total IgE, but also low-grade positives to individual specific IgEs to multiple allergens, which are not clinically significant. It's important always to try to tease out from your history, is there a clinical suspicion of allergy? And that's really your key interpretive tool then to guiding the interpretation of tests. And your article warns very clearly against panel testing against a whole variety of allergens as well. Um, many laboratories will offer a panel test. Um, the panel test will encompass five or six of the commonest allergens that we would uh, see. So that maybe egg, peanut, milk, uh, wheat, um, perhaps even soya. Uh, um, there are pitfalls there are that you can have then multiple low-grade positives and that can often enforce a very restrictive diet when there may not in fact be any clinical indication to do so. Um, the utility of panel tests is limited um, and we would certainly recommend that only the suspected allergens should be tested for. Let's move on to skin prick testing. What is it exactly and when should we be using it? Um, obviously, most patients in general practice or most GPs would be unlikely to offer it, but there will be the occasional patient who will require skin prick testing. Um, skin prick testing um, identifies in vivo sensitization, whereas your specific IgE test is an in vitro test. 
Um, it, with skin prick testing, you um, introduce a small amount of allergen, very superficially, just um, with just below epicutaneously, um, and within 15 minutes, if there is sensitization or allergy to that allergen, then you should see a small um, reaction, and that's usually a small wheel with an associated flare. And then the width of the the wheel can, or can be measured, and if the, that can be determined whether then whether or not then that is significant. And typically, we'd expect a positive wheel to be sort of three millimeters greater in diameter than the, than the negative control wheel. So you always apply a positive and negative control as well, and, and you would want it to exceed the negative control by three millimeters. Which patients would benefit from having skin prick testing? Okay, well, skin prick testing is, is a benefit maybe to, to most patients. Um, there are very few occasions when you wouldn't use it. That, that might be when a, a patient has very poor or very extensive skin disease, so it limits its applicability. We, maybe we often see this in children with uncontrolled eczema. But, but for most patients, the use of skin prick testing um, can be achieved. Um, it, it's probably of greater sensitivity than specific IG testing, but it, it does require um, appropriately trained staff since it's operator dependent, um, appropriate reagents, and because of rare reports of systemic reactions, access to um, emergency resuscitation treatment. The results are available in about 15 minutes and it's also um, visible to patients. Certain medications, most commonly antihistamines, can um, give a false negative skin prick test, and so it's important to exclude those medications um, prior to performing the test. What is the place then of oral food challenge testing? Oral food challenge is the gold standard for the diagnosis of allergy. Um, its usefulness then is that there, you're able to reproduce symptoms and signs of clinical allergy for diagnostic purposes. Its use is often performed whenever there are positive tests but an ambiguous history or sometimes vice versa when there are um, a very strong history but the testing has proved inconclusive. Okay, and presumably a, a negative test uh, has really high predictive value then? A negative food challenge can with a high degree of Accuracy excludes an allergy. Um, just one sort of cautionary note is that sometimes it's patient clinical reactivity depends not purely on exposure to food, but also on additional cofactors such as um, exercise, the use of medications such as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or alcohol, and it may be rarely, but it may be that only when the additional cofactors with the food allergen are present that clinical reactivity would develop. Okay, so let's return to our case. Um, we have a little girl with uh, a good history of angioedema within minutes of eating uh, some scrambled eggs. It responds very well to oral antihistamines. Um, you have a strong clinic, clinical suspicion as a GP that she does have an egg allergy. Uh, what tests did you would you recommend for her? 
Um, in general practice, I would recommend the use of specific IG tests to egg um, and in the setting of a good clinical history and um, elevated specific IgE that would um, give the general practitioner um, confidence in the diagnosis of an immediate egg allergy. Now we've talked about uh, testing in response specifically to egg allergy. Are there other allergens that don't perform quite so well? Um, yes, in, the, in clinical practice, the ones we would most frequently see that perform poorly um, would be fruit and vegetables. Um, they're often um, lost, the proteins are lost in the distillation or the preparation process for the reagents. Um, and for skin prick testing, we'd often ask patients not, uh, sorry, to accompany the clinic with whichever fruit and vegetables they consider um, were the allergens. And we would do sort of modified skin prick test whereby instead of using the reagent, we would first prick the fruit and then prick the skin. And that can improve the diagnostic um, utility of that test. Okay. And what about the issue of an adrenaline auto-injector? Her parents have asked, um, and they're clearly very anxious, um, but from the history and from the emergency department uh, summary, uh, there's absolutely nothing to indicate anaphylaxis. Okay. Um, but it's important that the use of an adrenaline auto-injector is really tailored to the the history and to the patients. For certain foods like egg, a systemic um, reaction um, which would need an adrenaline uh, use are, are thankfully quite rare. Um, and, and also in this patient's um, history, there was only a very modest reaction. Um, so those two things, would, the natural history of egg allergy also is that it tends to, children tend to grow out of it. So those things together would suggest to me that there would be no imminent need for the prescription of an adrenaline auto-injector. Um, certain features in the history, such as the systemic reaction or if they had poorly controlled asthma, um, may suggest otherwise. For other foods like which are difficult to avoid because they're used a lot in the food industry, such as and peanuts, or if the patient has got other comorbid conditions, then the, the the risk and balance equation would change, and you may then wish to prescribe an adrenaline auto-injector. And does she need to avoid eggs forever? The natural history of egg allergy is that it will typically um, resolve, um, usually between the years, between three to six years of age. So avoidance forever would not be recommended. If the patient was already tolerating baked egg or well-cooked egg in the diet, then we would encourage that that be continued. Um, less well-cooked eggs, such as scrambled egg, could then be reintroduced um, as a challenge between three to four years of age. Um, the GP or the um, pediatric allergist who assesses the child could determine the safety of performing a home-based home challenge to scrambled egg between those years. And when would a referral to an allergist uh, be appropriate in this instance? In this instance, it would be appropriate if there was evidence of a, um, systemic symptoms consistent with a severe reaction, or if there was a history of poorly controlled asthma 
regularly requiring inhaled glucocorticoids, if there was some diagnostic uncertainty, um, if the egg allergy was persisting beyond the ages of six to eight, or whether another major food allergy, um, such as a peanut or tree nut allergy, had been identified. Those recommendations are available on the British Society of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. Well, thank you. That was a very useful uh, update on, on what to do to diagnose immediate food allergy. Um, just to sum up, um, above all, uh, a focused history to confirm that this was an immediate allergy to some substance uh, is the first thing. Um, we then move on to specific IgE testing or skin prick testing in most instances as a confirmatory step. Um, and um, we need to be aware of the limitations of both these tests, particularly false positives, which may lead to unnecessary dietary restrictions and unnecessary anxiety. This article is now available on bmj.com.